Some of the microphones had to be raised. Uh, they're growing. Amen. Our juniors aren't so junior anymore, and some of them will be moving up to the teens here before too terribly long. Thank the Lord for them, and boy, what a blessing. I pray that um, God will continue to use our young people. They're a blessing. I told one the other day, I said, it's, it's amazing to me that God could use a little person to be a blessing and encouragement to a big person. Uh, and that God would use a young person to be a blessing and encouragement to an older person. And uh, I'm not calling myself old, but uh, in their eyes, absolutely. But isn't it a blessing that God can use kids, and God does use kids. And you pray for them, that God would keep their heart tender, and God would use them for his honor and glory. Good to see you here tonight. And I'll not be preaching tonight, so I want to make sure we go over a couple of things right quick. If you look at your bulletin, we have a lot going on this upcoming week. And I want to make sure you're a part of all that we have going on. Uh, don't forget this uh, February 19th tomorrow, the office is closed. Miss Pam put that in there. She's going fishing, so uh, leave her alone. She'll not be here. Nobody will be here tomorrow on the 19th. There'll probably be somebody here, but uh, get everybody a day off there. Our kids get a day off. Ladies Bible study, though, tomorrow, 11.30 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. Ladies, make it a point to get to that. My wife did get on to me in the car on the way home from church today. She says, you hit on what I'm teaching tomorrow. She says, you always do that. Uh, so just pretend that she wrote my notes for this morning. But ladies Bible study tomorrow, 11.30 for those who can't make it at 6.30, and then 6.30 for those who can't make it uh, at 11.30, right here, room 104, down the main hall. Ladies, come for that. It'll be an encouragement to you. Also, the New Horizons Foster Ministry will be on the 22nd. This is a great ministry we have right here in Hattiesburg. Men's Prayer Breakfast on the 24th, Soul Winning on the 24th, Easter Practice on the 24th, and then Stewardship on the 25th. That'll be this service a week from tonight at the end of the service. We'll cover that. A lot going on. Thank the Lord for opportunities. Amen. We need everyone that we can get. I assure you, it'll be a blessing to you, ladies, men, whatever we have an opportunity coming up, you use that uh, to help grow you a little bit spiritually. Amen. All right, Brother Edward's going to preach for us tonight. Gospel of John, please, tonight, chapter number 10. Is this mic on? I think it's on. Is it working? Okay. I can't hear myself up here, so. You know, these young people sang this wonderful song a moment ago, and I was thinking while they were singing, we really could just stop the service and give the invitation right then because of the message. And I know some of y'all just got real excited. But because of the message in song, we might have to go to this, brother. Um, uh, yes, we need to go to this. But anyway, Lord, I want to live my life for you. I wonder tonight, in your heart and in my heart too, I'm asking myself too, is that our desire? Lord, I want to live my life for you. You know, there's a lot of things in this life that try to prevent us from living the kind of life that God wants us to live. And I want to bring some of those things out tonight, one thing in particular, one person in particular, that does his dead level best every day to cause us problems. If you look in John chapter 10, if you don't mind standing, we'll just read a couple of verses, have prayer and be seated, and then I'll read some other scriptures in a moment. But in John chapter 10, in verse number 10, Jesus is speaking here. If you've got a red letter Bible, you'll see these words are in red. The Bible says, the thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. 
And if you'll turn over to 1 Peter chapter number 5, 1 Peter chapter number 5. Apostle Peter's writing this letter and he had the voice of experience here. Remember Jesus told Peter, he says, the Satan desires to sift his wheat. And he did. And the devil's very familiar, or Peter was very familiar with the devil. It says in chapter 5, verse 8, but be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this blessed privilege to be in thy house, Lord, with thy people. We pray that each one of us here would still our hearts before you, Lord, right now and ask you to speak to us. Lord, would you take the distractions away, the things that we've got to tend to this week that may be on our minds, on our hearts. And may just for the next few moments, Lord, help us to think about what you have to say to us in the message. Lord, we thank you for this church and all the dear people. Thank you for our pastor and the staff and all the workers here. And Lord, we just pray that you would help us tonight. When we leave here, Lord, may we be right with you in our hearts 100%. Lord, may we be fully surrendered and yielded to you. May we be equipped and prepared uh, to carry out our duties as a child of God over these next several days. Lead us and guide us, we pray. Help us now. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read some more verses there. I didn't want you to stand the whole time we read all these verses. There's going to be a lot of verses read here. But I do want you to follow along. And these are familiar verses, no doubt. In Ephesians chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6. The messages are preached from them all the time. But I want to tie the verse in John chapter 10 and verse 10 and the verse in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 to what we find here in Ephesians chapter 5 and 6. Begin reading in chapter 5 verse 17 where the Bible says, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he's the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. 
Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, and singleness of your heart is unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly, to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. A lot of verses to read, but I'm praying that the Lord use this and tie this together. As I preach a message tonight entitled, Watch Out for the Devil. Watch out for the devil. Let's pray together if we might. Heavenly Father, thank you for Again, this place, this place and these people and this opportunity to open your word, Lord, to preach from it. Lord, may you give us now what we need. There's someone here today, Lord, tonight that's never been saved. They don't know for sure that their name's written in the book of life and that they're going to heaven. We pray tonight would be the night they get that settled, please. If there's a Christian here, Lord, who's not as close to you as maybe they once were, not as right with you as they know they ought to be, I pray, dear Father, that you would use the message tonight and use your Holy Spirit, please, to bring each one of us back, Lord, close to you, right with you, 100%. Again, bless this time together. Thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, whatever the devil can do to hurt our walk, to hurt our fellowship with Christ, he will try to do it. It's been that way since the Garden of Eden. We remember the story in the first couple of chapters of Genesis, how the devil was there, the serpent, how he deceived Eve, and Adam and Eve both fell into sin, or went into sin, and sin was passed upon all men, the Bible says. Death was passed upon all men for all have sinned. That's why 1 Peter chapter 5, the verse that we read, verse 8 is so important. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil... Now just stop right there. Be sober. Serious minded. Be wide awake. Be watchful. Be vigilant. Again, the idea of being very watchful and very awake and aware. I would say that most of us, including myself, are not very sober a lot of times. Are very vigilant when it comes to the devil. 
and yet he's our arch enemy. He never sleeps. He doesn't tire. 24-7 he's on the job. And by the way, he's had thousands of years to be good at his craft. The devil is he's no match for Jesus. We understand that. And greater is he that's in us and he that's in the world. We're more than conquerors through him that loved us. We don't understand all that. We're, we're clear on that. But that doesn't mean we need to underestimate the devil. You know, when you go to war, when you go to battle, when a nation wages war against another nation or a, a city against a city or whatever, one of the strategic things that the battle plan tries to do is they want to understand the enemy. When you understand the enemy and how they work, then you're able to better defend your position or better uh, ensure your success to be successful in the battle. I wonder tonight, do we understand how the devil works? I want to share with you some thoughts tonight from my heart and from the Word of God, I believe, and there are many ways we could go with this message. I've narrowed it down to three for time's sake, of course, but you and I remember that before we got saved, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. The Bible says we were actually children of the devil. We had no hope. Our spirit was dead. We had no way to get to God. But when we got saved, everything changed. Amen. Now we belong to God. Now we've been made alive or quickened by the Spirit of God, the Bible says. We're now God's children. So when you go back to John chapter 10 and verse number 10, and Jesus is speaking to his disciples, by the way, in John chapter 10. When he introduces them to the devil, these are saved men he's speaking to. He warns them that the devil's job and his goal is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he gives them that warning first before he says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Because you've got to understand the enemy if you want to be a successful Christian. To steal, it means to take away, to remove. What? Their effectiveness for Christ. The devil would like nothing more than to steal away our effectiveness for Christ. Our potential for Christ. You ever thought about the potential of a child of God? I mean a child of God that's completely sold out to God. Right with God in their heart. Lives each and every day. Full of the spirit of God. Immersed in the word of God. Sharing the gospel of God. You know there's a great potential there. Over history and throughout time we've seen some men and some women rise to that potential. We can begin to name great preachers and great evangelists and great missionaries. And just great people, and not only people that we might be able to say is a common name among Christianity, but even folks in local churches and rural towns and little small communities and an elderly woman, for example, who might just give her two mites. <laughs> God spoke highly of her, didn't he? said she gave all that she had, all of her living. And so the devil wants to steal our potential for Christ. He, he wants to cause Christians who are saved to doubt their salvation. Uh, there are some that it takes many, many, if you want to say it this way, professions of faith before they can really get it nailed down. And part of that is because of the devil. He doesn't want a Christian to know, uh, he or she, that they've been born again, they're saved, they're on their way to heaven, and have that assurance. Because he knows if he can keep them wondering about it all their life, he can keep them on the sidelines in the battle against himself. And so the devil 
Jesus warns us he came to steal. He came to kill. The word kill there means to slay or to slaughter. What does the devil, who does he want to slay? What does he want to slay or slaughter? He wants to slaughter our life. You know, the devil not only wants to kill our spiritual life and slay our spiritual life so that we cannot do anything for God as a Christian, but he would have no greater joy than to take us out physically. He hates us. Why? Because he hates God. And you and I know, as parents, the best way to get to a parent is to attack their children. Uh, tempers will flare. Things will happen faster when someone goes after our kids more than it will any other. Well, God's the same way. And the devil knows that, so he tries to attack. He tries to battle. He tries to cause problems. We're going to see how he does it here in a moment against God's children. Last thing Jesus said, they, the devil's come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The word destroy there means to make, to perish. And it has the idea of to destroy fully. I mean completely destroy. Total destruction. The devil would love to destroy our testimony. He works hard at it. Remember, he's had a lot of practice. That's why we have to be sober. We have to be vigilant. Because our adversary. The Bible says he walketh about. He's always on the move. He's looking. He's looking for opportunities. He's looking for people. He's looking for uh, any way he can, any way, shape. And by the way, it doesn't matter to him how he does it. It could be through temptation, some sinful temptation. It could be through a hobby. It could be through a job. There's numerous ways the devil can get us sidetracked and get us off the course that God wants us to stay on every day as a child of God. And the devil doesn't care how he does it as long as he's, he's successful at it. And he's always working at it. When you get to Ephesians chapter 5 and chapter 6, we're introduced, and actually in chapter 4 as well, we're introduced to the church in chapter 4, the gifts to the church and all of that. We'll talk about the church in a minute. But we're introduced to the family relationships. You know, Life is relationships. You stop and think about yourself right now. You're somebody's son or daughter. You're somebody's brother or sister probably. You might be somebody's aunt or uncle. You're somebody's cousin probably. And well, you are. Most of us have cousins. You're somebody's parent, mother or father. You're somebody's spouse, husband or wife. We have all these relationships in our lives. They're all listed here in Ephesians chapter 5, the relationship with Christ in the church. Again, we'll get to that. The relationship with the husband and the wife, the wife to the husband, uh, the parents to the children. It talks about servants and masters in verses 5 and 6 of Ephesians chapter 6. It, it talks about um, verse number 10, our relationship with the Lord. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It's interesting to know we started in verse number 17, or verse number 18. It says, be not drunk with wine or in his excess, but be filled with the Spirit. God begins these, this explanation of relationships talking about our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And we're to be filled with the Spirit, to be controlled and led by the Spirit of God. And then like bookends at the end of this in verse number uh, number 10 of chapter 6, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He brings us back to that relationship with God again. You know, the devil, this is how he works. He wants to destroy 
our personal relationship and fellowship with the Lord. And he works at it every single day. We've got to watch out for the devil. We've got to be sober and be vigilant. We've got to watch out for the devil. Just as it is in any relationship, we have God up here. God's always at the top, amen. He's the head of everything. Everything began with God and begins with God and everything's going to end with God. It's all God. He doesn't have a beginning or an ending. <laughs> Try to figure that out, amen. And our relationship with God is based on how much time we spend talking to him and him talking with us. And that's really what relationships are. Relationships are strengthened when there's communication. Uh, you know, you, you marry a wife and you go home and you never speak to her, husband. Never talk to her. Just ignore her. Or vice versa. I can tell you right now, that relationship's going to be damaged. It won't take very long. Because there has to be communication. Same thing with us and God. Well, how does God speak to us? He speaks to us. We know the answer through this book. This is God speaking to us. Now, I'm not preaching anything that you hadn't heard a thousand times before. I know that. And I'm preaching to the choir. I realize that tonight. But we have to be reminded from time to time, maybe more often than we want to realize, that we must spend time in God's Word. How can we have an encounter with Christ if we don't encounter him in the word. He's not floating around like some spirit. Some spook that's going to come and sit down beside us and talk to us like a ghost. He's seated at the right hand of God physically, bodily right now in heaven. But he left us his word. Amen. And this is how we have an encounter with Christ. We spend time in the word of God. So we listen to what God has to say to us as we read and study the Bible. And then we talk to God in prayer. We spend time in prayer. So God talks to us through his word. We talk to him through prayer. What is that? That's communication. And that's relationship. And that produces a wonderful fellowship. And by the way, we ought to talk to others about God. That's witnessing. So we talk to God. He talks to us. And we talk to others about the Lord. Very simple. One, two, three. Very simple. And here's what happens. The devil does his best to interfere right there. Why is it so hard for us? I say us, all of preachers too, <laughs> to spend time in the Bible like we would ought to. Why is it so difficult? You know, if you sat down and read this book from Genesis, I heard something, heard Brother Scott Paulus say this the other day, preacher, on reading the Bible, you can actually sit down and read the Bible from cover to cover, from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, to the last verse in Revelation, I want to say in about 70 hours. Just reading straight through, not stopping. That's less than three days. Now, if you want to try that, go ahead. I'm probably not going to. <laughs> but the point is this, it doesn't really take that long. Three chapters a day will get you through the entire Word of God in the course of a year. It doesn't take that long to spend time in the Word of God. And yet how many of us as, as children of God have never read our Bible through? Been saved 25 years and never sat down and read the Bible all the way through. I don't know if that's true or not. I hope it's not true with anybody here, but it could be. 
The point is this, we all know, and we, we, we have to be guilty tonight, we are guilty tonight, we don't spend enough time in the Word of God. We just don't. I read a survey many, many years ago when I first started preaching and pastoring. And some, I, I want to say it's the, is it the Barna Group or something that does all these surveys? I think that's right, the name of it. But they interviewed a bunch of pastors, different religions, not just Baptists, but other groups as well, and I think it was a thousand of them. And they asked them, what are the top three things or the top ten things you should be doing in ministry as a pastor, as a leader? And without hesitation, nearly 90% of them said, well, I need to spend time in God's Word. I need to spend time in prayer. I need to spend time telling others about Christ. And then the second question was asked in the survey. Well, how much time do you spend in those areas? And 90% also came back, and of the top 10, those were the bottom three. So it's not that we don't know what we should be doing. It's that we're not doing what we should be doing. And I'm talking to all of us, me too. You know, preaching is that way. No preacher ever preaches a message without realizing that he's not the best example of anything he's preaching. I wish, you know, these guys would get up and then brag about how they never do anything wrong. I don't know that I would listen to them very, very with much faith. I've heard some of them like that. No, we all have to struggle. Why? Because we've all got the same enemy, the devil. Watch out for the devil in your personal life. You see, the devil wants to get in between you and God. If he can wedge himself in there and break the communication and break the fellowship between you and the Lord, he knows he's going to mess up your life and you'll never do anything for him. He'll be, he'll be successful in stealing and killing and destroying your Christian walk. In the family relationship here in Ephesians chapter 5, it talks about husbands and wives and children. In the home, we've got Jesus as the head, amen. The husband, the wife, and the children. Now, this order, except for Jesus, of course, the husband, the wife, and the children, doesn't mean the husband's more important than the wife. It's not what it's talking about at all. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a position that God has ordained to have the right kind of home and the best kind of home that God wants us all to have. Where the husband loves his wife and the wife submits to her husband and the children obey the parents. But if you read the rest of those verses, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Gave himself for it. No wife has any problem submitting to a husband that loves her like that. Amen. And no husband has any problem loving a wife who submits to him as unto the Lord. And I'm not talking about dictatorship and, and, and treating your wife like a doormat. I'm not talking about that at all. And God's not either. I've met some guys that think that. They need to be knocked upside the head is what they need. It's not right at all. Jesus, the husband, the wife, the children. And when you, when you when it's in the right order, it's wonderful. Harmony, unity, fellowship. But here comes the devil. He tries to wedge in between. He attacks the husband, he attacks the wife, he attacks the children. How does he attack them? Number one, if they're saved, he tries to attack their personal walk with Christ first. To get that husband where he's not reading his Bible anymore. 
The wife's not reading her Bible. She's not praying. Or the kids are not reading their Bible or praying. Where they, where they quit telling people about Jesus. They're not witnessing anymore. They're not sharing the gospel. not passing out tracts. Anything he can do to disrupt their fellowship with Jesus, he can destroy that home. And by the way, we understand that it's not so much the attack from the outside of our homes that we have to worry about, although in this day and age, we do need to be concerned a little bit. But homes are destroyed by the devil from within. And we don't even recognize him being there. Why? Because we're not sober. And we're not vigilant. Like we ought to be. Now here's a husband. Here's a wife. And here's God. And as the husband and wife get closer to God, they get closer to each other. And they love each other more and, and, and help each other more and become more like Christ wants them to be. And as a husband and wife get further away from God, they get further apart. The devil knows that. So he tries to get in, 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 the, in the middle of those relationships and cause problems. We've got to recognize that, folks. We've got, to be, we've got to be aware of what the devil's trying to do in our homes. That's why we need to ask God for wisdom and for discernment and for, and for, and for forgiveness and for prayer and, for, and pray that God will help us to see. It's so easy isn't it, to get so involved in work and life and stress and responsibility and bills and all the things we have to tend to. If we're not careful, we'll get our eyes off what's important. That's our home. Watch out for the devil in the home. Number two, watch out for the devil. Actually, number three, because watch out for the devil in your personal life. And then watch out for the devil in your home. And number three, watch out for the devil in the church. Now we read in Ephesians chapter 5 where the Bible says that Jesus gave himself for the church. The husband's the head of the wife, it says in chapter 5, verse 23, and it says, even as Christ is the head of the church. Guess what? The pastor's not the head of the church. He's not. And every pastor knows that. So you have Christ, who is the chief shepherd, the great shepherd, the good shepherd. He's the head of the church. Then you have the pastor who's the under-shepherd. And God's placed him there. And he's to fellowship and to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ in his daily walk because, again, the devil is trying to mess up the pastor's walk with Christ, too. Interfere with his Bible reading, and interfere with his prayer time, and interfere with his witnessing time. And remember, he's had a long time to do this. He's perfected his art, his craft. He knows what he's doing. And we've got to be aware of what, what he's trying to do. That's why it's so important to pray for the pastor, whoever he is. This dear brother here. We've got to pay, pray for Brother Jeremiah. And his family too, by the way. Because you don't separate the pastor from his wife and family. It's all together. And, and, and if someone goes after the pastor, they're going after the wife. And the children. And the devil knows that. That's why he likes to stir up a lot of stuff. Remember, we've got to watch out for the devil in our personal lives. We've got to watch out for the devil in our homes. And we've got to watch out for the devil in the church. 
Think about the potential for Central Baptist Church tonight. What could God do? I don't think we've ever seen it. I think we've had glimpses of it over the years. This church has been here a long time, nearly 75 years. The Lord's been kind to this church and blessed this church. And thousands and thousands and thousands of souls have been saved. Not only in this area, but around the world. But what could God do with a church that's 100% right with God? I'm not talking about the buildings, the ceiling, the lights, the carpet, the pews. No, no, no. This is just a structure. Thank God for it, amen. I'm glad we're in here, not outside in the parking lot like during 2020 <laughs> in this cold weather. But the church is you and I, born-again, baptized believers. And we voluntarily joined ourselves together as a church body, as a family, to carry out the Great Commission. To send the gospel around the world and in our local area as well. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part of the earth. That's what a church is, what a local church is. And what could God do in a local church that was 100% sold out to God, right with God? Studying their Bible, reading their Bible, in prayer, spending time with God. I mean, real time. I'm not talking about now, lay me down to sleep. Nothing wrong with that to teach kids how to pray. But as adults, we've got to get past that. We need to be time in our, have time in our prayer closets when we cry out to God. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer. Most of us, and I'm guilty too, sweet minute of prayer. Oh, God help us. Time in prayer, time in the Word of God, time telling others about Jesus. Not only in an organized visitation time, but as we go our way every day. Walmart, the gas station, the mall, where, the restaurants, the driving places, wherever we're at, telling folks about Jesus as often as we have opportunity to. You know, you can't witness to the wrong person. It's not possible. Well, if they're already saved, well, you hadn't heard them by witnessing to them. In fact, most Christians, somebody comes witness to me, I appreciate it. I'll tell them, man, I appreciate you doing that. Watch out for the devil in the church. You see, you've got Jesus. You've got the pastor and his family. You've got the staff and their families. You've got the deacons and their families. Because, again, families are connected to each one of these groups. You've got the Sunday school teachers. You've got faithful workers and their families. You've got faithful members. And you've got maybe the unfaithful members, but they're still members of the church. You see, if you look at it as a, as a, stack, a stacked kind of list here, with Jesus is at the top, the pastor, uh, the staff, the deacons, the Sunday school teachers, right on down the line, the higher up the devil can get in, the more damage he can cause. If he can get between the pastor and his savior, everybody beneath suffers. If he can get between the pastor and his wife, then everybody beneath suffers. If he can get between the deacons and the pastor, that's still high up the chain, if you would, he can cause a lot of damage. We ought to recognize that. And the devil's working 24 hours a day, seven days a week to try to cause problems. Now, my thought tonight is this. Watch out for the devil in your personal life. Watch out for the devil in your home. And watch out for the devil in your church. 
Don't be a tool of the devil to cause problems. And I'm talking about a tool of the devil in the sense that without maybe even being aware of it, we're, we're, we're being used of the devil to mess up relationships and to cause problems. I'm convinced that if we spent more time in the book and more time on our knees and more time telling others about Christ, we wouldn't have time for all of this. There's a lost and dying world going to hell. Seven billion plus people on this planet. And most of them have never even heard who Jesus is. And don't kid yourself. There are people walking all over Forest and Lamar County here in Hattiesburg and in Peddle and all the cities around us that don't know who Jesus is. And yet there are also some that are sitting out there waiting for someone to knock on their door. First church I passed it, I remember this like it was yesterday. It was a lady that was a neighbor to one of our good men, Brother Roy, in the church. He was an older man and later in his life got cancer and had surgeries and wound up having to be put in the VA home in Oxford and passed away there. And he would sing specials in the church. He loved to sing, loved the Lord. Even when his voice wasn't that great, we still let him sing, of course. He, was a, he, he loved God. But they wanted me to go by next door as the pastor of the church and visit their neighbor who was a Methodist. And she was a kind lady, a nice lady, and she was very receptive to talking to us, but she really wasn't that interested. I went by there one time to witness to her and share Christ with her and gave her the gospel, and she didn't respond to it in a positive way. And went by two or three other times after that, and she was never home. And so being in the ministry, first church to pastor, and lots going on, and so... I kind of forgot about her, honestly. But I remember Brother Roy asking one more time, he said, Preacher, would you go by and see her again? Because she's been out a lot, but I think she'll be home such and such a day. And so me and Brother Edward Howell, who was one of our deacons, or one of our good men, he might as well have been a deacon, decided to go visit her on a Thursday night. It's about dark like it is now. Knocked on the door, she answered the door and invited us in. We went inside and sat in the living room on the couch and began to talk to her about the Lord and witness to her. And as we were going into the story, the gospel story, she began to share something from her heart. She said, Brother Gary, said, Brother Edwards, she said, you don't know this, but I'm going to tell you something. She said, I've nearly been killed three times in the last month. I said, really? Tell me about it. She said, well, I had some health issues I didn't know I had. And went into the hospital. I was there for like 10 days. I had no idea she was in the hospital. Nobody told me and I didn't know. Some very serious issues with some of her organs. And she came through that. And made it back home, was doing okay, but she came very close to death. A week or so after that, She's driving down Interstate 78 from Memphis to Holly Springs, which is close to where she lived in Potts Camp. And someone crossed the median on Interstate 78 drunk and came at her and fixed to be a head-on collision. And she said, I barely was able to get out of the way. 
just another second or two and I would have been killed instantly. She said she sat on the side of the road for a while trying to regather her senses. Went on home. A week after that, the church was right on top of a hill next to a, a guy who had a big farm with a lot of horses. And one of the horses got out right there on the highway, two-lane highway in front of the church. And even run up down the highway where the church sat, there's curves that come into the, to, to, that, to that place. And so a car comes running around the curve. They're, gonna, they're not going to have time to stop doing 55, 60 miles an hour. So we're trying to get the horse and try to catch him because he's running all over the place. And cars are going off the side of the road. You could, and he got away from us and got down the highway probably a quarter mile. You could still see him down there. And cars were coming around curves and slamming on brakes and sliding and everything else. She said, I nearly got... I nearly died and ran off in the ditch with my car because this horse. She didn't know I knew what was happening with the horse because I was actually out there trying to help catch the horse. But she said this horse got on the highway up here by the church and I nearly died. I thought I was going to die. Long story short, when we went through the plan of salvation and gave her the gospel, she was wonderfully saved. She trusted Christ. She said, you know, I don't, I don't know, that, but God's been so good to me, allow me another opportunity. And the reason I'm sharing that story with you is simply this. There are a lot of people out there who are in the same boat she was. They're just waiting for somebody to come by and tell them about Jesus. And they would get saved. But what does the devil do in a church? tries to cause problems in our personal relationship with the Lord in our home and our family and among the church body by causing disruptions and problems and messing up our walk with God and causing issues between uh, family members because remember he tries to, to destroy a family and a home from within he does the same thing in church he tries to cause problems between church members this person and that person and that person in the back and this one up front and, and you got all kind of things going on and issues and you've got unforgiveness and you've got bitterness and you've got uh, a gossip and you've got slander and you've got criticism and all these things that the devil, they're tools of the devil and they're being used in the lives and hearts of people who don't even realize what's going on. They actually may think they're doing the right thing but no, they've been used of the devil. Watch out for the devil. His goal is to destroy Central Baptist Church. I'm not talking about burning the bills down. I'm talking about ruining the, the testimony of this church and ruining the effectiveness of this church to steal, to kill, and to destroy what God wants to do here. Listen, God's not through here. <laughs> There's so much more God wants to do and can do. Many years ago, we had a campaign here. It was called God Can. Stickers everywhere. I still got some of the stickers in my office. God Can. God can. It was just everywhere. Folks, that hasn't changed. God still can. And God still wants to. But let's don't, let's don't hinder the work of God by allowing the devil to use us. In our church, in our homes, in our personal walk with God. Let's stay right with God. You know what we ought to do tonight? And I'm not... Trying to do anything sensational, nothing like that. 
But I think we ought to find a place. Say, oh God, help me not to be used by the devil. Lord, help my family, help my home, help my personal walk, and dear God, help our church. Help our pastor and his family, help the staff, help the deacons and the Sunday school teachers and the workers and, and all the way down the line. And again, realizing Jesus is at the head. The Bible says he purchased it with his own blood. I didn't give my blood for the church. Neither anybody else, but Jesus did. Watch out for the devil. Let's pray together. Father, thank you tonight for just a reminder of things I know that we've already known. Lord, what a blessing you've been to each of us as your children. You've saved us. Lord, we're going to heaven. We've trusted you. We have the blessed opportunity and privilege to walk with you every day. Spend time in your word to pray, to share Christ with others. Help us not to let anything in our lives, good or bad, interfere with that. Help us to be thoroughly right with God. Help us to be like Caleb of old who wholly followed the Lord God. Father, help us in our homes or to truly be a Christian home where Christ is exalted. And Christ, the testimony of Christ is in the home. Where children and parents walk with God. And Lord, where we have the desire in our hearts like these young people saying, Lord, I just want to live my life for you. Help us, Father. And oh God, please help this church. Thank you so much for all that you've done here. But Lord, no doubt that best days are ahead because you're still on the throne and there's still much work that needs to be done. Lord, help us to watch out for the devil. Thank you that we, in our own strength, we're no match for him, but Lord, we can do all things through Christ. Strengtheneth us. Bless this invitation time, we pray. In Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Would you stand?